Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for TheMediaBias.com. Joining me today is David. Hello. DJ. Yeah. And today we're talking about the homework that was assigned last week by me. I made you suckers watch a movie that I wanted to see that I haven't seen yet. We watched Event Horizon. Had David, me and you had both seen it, right? We had both seen it, yes. Okay. I had not. And I don't know. It, it always appears on people's lists of either a really scary movie or interesting or... Something. So I want to give it a shot. You want to break down what it is? Yeah. So. Thank you. <laughs> so it is about a rescue crew that is going to recover the ship and the crew of another vessel that was a deep space research vessel called the Event Horizon. So this 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 ship, the Lewis and Clark, piloted by. Uh, Larry Fishburne, Cowboy Pete. What's his name from Pee Wee? Oh, Cowboy yeah. Curtis. Cowboy Curtis. <laughs> Captains by Cowboy Curtis, and uh, they pick Sam Neill up from the. I'm so bad with character names. I always use actor names. Weir. <laughs> yeah, they, they pick this guy Weir up from a space station that's orbiting Earth to bring him on the voyage because it turns out he's the one who designed the ship and the ship's drive. And it turns out the ship. Has dino DNA on it. <laughs> well, more like hell person DNA on it. But yeah, they find it. You know, the ship was once thought lost. Was actually in orbit, uh, low orbit around Neptune, and it is possessed, uh, kind of uh, by a being or entity or a force created by the experimental uh, warp drive that Weir developed. So, what ensues is kind of a horror-slash-sci-fi Hellraiser-adjacent style movie about figuring out what the hell happened to the old crew and then inevitably trying to escape the madness that grips them all. Accurately told. Yep. First, can we talk off with the meeting the crew scenes? I thought it's really—it's like the most generic meeting the crew stuff. Everyone has like these little like uh, phrases preloaded about how they're like they're a tight crew, but they don't take everything that seriously. Yeah. Larry Fishburne uh, said, uh, "Cowboy Curtis is like they drop the ball, we take the call." Like that's their <laughs> Ghostbusters slogan. <laughs> and the pilot at one point is like, "We're locked, cocked, and ready to rock." <laughs> it's like Jesus, guys, <laughs> calm down. I laughed real hard when one of them said, it's going to be perfect like a textbook. <laughs> I was like, that's not what that is. <laughs> so, How did that make that in, in a movie? Well, it was Google translated into English. <laughs> the entire script. Yeah, Everyone right. is like human being adjacent. Did y'all also notice that when you're introduced to Weir for the first time, he's looking at that picture of his wife and he sets it next to the bed next to an identical picture of his wife? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was, Why are they doing the same picture, man? Because they're friends. God, it's so, it's I, like, so, I have her so twin strange. at home and I'm looking for <laughs> the other one. I, th I think that that is a, a not. I don't think that's a mistake. I think there's already some insanity gripping Weir because he's he's already having the flashbacks, the hell orgy flashbacks that right. or flash forwards or whatever. And he's having uh, Christopher Nolan esque dead wife stuff going on. 
Right. Like, uh, just not to jump forward, but later on when you see, like, his wife ghost going through, like, the committing suicide thing, he's, like, beside going, like, not again. Like, this keeps playing out all the time, and he's just, like, annoyed at this point. He's, like, just sits by the tub. It's like, again, no. <clears throat> but, yeah, because he takes a picture of his wife from a, like, mural of pictures of his wife and puts it next to another like shrine of pictures of his wife. Yeah. So I think I think that he's going into it already having been driven mad by the the gravity drive. Yeah. And and wife death. Yeah. Yeah. Does anyone on the crew uh jump out to you guys as more than just like nothing? <clears throat> if Stuck had more to do She's the most human of all the characters. She would just disappear for like 20 minutes at a time. The moment where Kelly went, what happened to the blonde? I go, Stark. And then all of a sudden she's on the ground having obviously been hit in the head by Weir because we see him later in the chair. But she's like, what happened to her? It's like, I don't know. I thought it would make more sense if like we found out she wasn't actually there. And that was like Larry Fishburne's, you know, thing that's haunting him. Yeah. She would like barely seems to interact with anyone but Lawrence Fishburne. Apparently, <clears throat> and I'm just going to never call him by his actual name. Lawrence. Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne? Lawrence. Um, Fishy. So, uh, so I read like, the, just the Wikipedia synopsis of the production of this movie, and it was apparently a very rushed final edit, um, and including cutting down the number of weeks they had to push out a final edit by half, and then delivering the final edit, and the producers saying you need to cut this down more and eliminating 40 minutes of movie so there's lots it went from 2 hours and 10 minutes down to an hour 30 hour 33 so there was a lot that got left out because they were like it's too gory it doesn't make sense and we don't care about these characters like you need to like cut all the backstory of characters because that's not what, what the movie needs to be about it shouldn't be so much gore and so what we got was like a really hurried edit and when asked about a director's cut apparently all that footage is like lost and destroyed and only recently have they found a VHS which has his initial 2 hour and 10 minute copy so it would be interesting to know if the director's cut kind of fills in a lot of these gaps like where does Stark go all the time also what is her role on the ship except she's number 2 yeah but it's just funny because when they introduce everyone, they're like, "Here's the medic. Here's the engineer. Here's the pilot. Here's Stark. I'm the captain." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Is that a role I don't know about? She's our Stark. <laughs> every every ship has one. It's twenty forty. I did laugh too at the initial like crawl, the credits where it was like twenty fifteen. First colony on the moon. <laughs> it's like, wow, y'all are very far behind. You, you, you overshot that. That it. was ambitious for like filming something in 1996. <laughs> yeah, so like, it's like ten years out. It's like we got this right. <laughs> um, yeah. We'd already stopped going to the moon by that point. What did they think was going to happen? <laughs> I did also. It's just funny to me. It's it's in like Alien Two. How many um, how many people in space? smoke cigarettes on like a pressurized vessel with oxygen being pumped like straight into it uh, we'll, get, we'll get to the pressurized vessels yeah. later I don't understand that <laughs> like, right. scientifically I don't get and it. it's not just like hand waving like oh we have an air filter where they can be cool and smoke cigarettes not you know just cavalierly but it's also like a plot point later how pressurized it is and like 
They talk about that in uh, Thank You for Smoking, don't they? They're like, you can't smoke in space. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure that out. We'll yeah, say there's <laughs> a magic filter that <laughs> takes care of it. I uh, laugh too at another like space trope. Not anything this movie did wrong that other movies didn't, but like when they're all getting going into stasis and he like takes the guy's sock hat off and it's like, but they can all wear underwear and the girls get bras. <laughs> so that doesn't make any fucking sense. But no sock hats. Well, I'll jump in and just say one thing. Uh, Coop. Probably responsible for all of the best lines in the movie. What a stereotype. Yeah. Like, mm. also, he's the lifeline guy. You know, I love those building your party moments that happen in every, like, sci-fi, fantasy, war, like, whatever, where everyone's got a role. And then his is like, and I'm the guy you call when you're in trouble. It's like, so what are you then? <laughs> like, what what are your responsibilities on this ship? I just told you. <laughs> you're in trouble. I'm, I'm the guy who does spacewalks. I guess I weld, too. <laughs> But yeah, he's like stereotypical like black guy in horror movie where all of his reactions are like, no, motherfucker. It's like, couldn't that have been like a little tighter? <laughs> oh, and another space trope is uh, you get a, another beautiful iteration of the speak it, say it to me like like uh, in English this time. Oh, yeah. Speaking of language, though, I laughed real hard at like uh, the people at NASA spent years on this and they think they figured out like there's human voices and they're like sounds like Latin can you translate it it's like people at NASA don't speak Latin <laughs> can you translate this thing from Latin to English also if I had to, to pin money on the person most likely to murder all of the crewmates it would be the guy that <clears throat> for some reason has a working understanding of pronounced Latin which is not something that is taught or learned ever right at least not in 1996 or now <clears throat> and also the guy who for seemingly no reason at all, will pull a scalpel on someone and like hold it to their neck, even before he's being like infected by the bad spaceship juju. I kind of felt like he was infe- started to be infected. Yeah, I kind of liked him. I thought he did a decent job. Jason Isaac, Lucius yeah. Malfoy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's he's good at being like really, uh, you know, really taut, like like a you know a wire pulled really tight. His and death was the his one thing. that. I remember the most from my first watch when I was twelve or thirteen. Mm-hmm. The the vivisection was horrifying to me. Yeah, it wasn't the the filleting as much, but the, uh, the hooks in the back. Yeah, strung yeah. up yeah, like a, a real suspension artist. Kind of sounds the lamb style. Yeah, he went all house Bolton. <laughs> yeah, for that scene. Uh, another space trope you got um, <laughs> they hit all of them <laughs> I'm wondering if this I'm trying to remember if there's an earlier example of this but it feels like this is the example the logical example that is given in anything where you're traveling through a gateway is they say the distance between two points and the, the engineer's whole... like a line he's like nah nah man that's your <laughs> grandfather's closest thing between two points and like the the hole with the, the piece paper. of paper I feel like I've seen that in like 15 movies. Yeah. Isn't, isn't I, I that in like Stranger Things also? Yeah. yeah. Where they do like the paper plate? Yeah. It's like a ton of stuff. Yeah. I, I wonder where that started. Because if, I've heard... Me too. I want to know. Because I, I've, I've heard that there are two like tropey explanations of how you can like beat the theory of relativity. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is the Stranger Things one, the flea on a tightrope. And the other one is that like punching the hole through the paper, like bending time and space. Mm-hmm. Um, I very confidently told Kelly that this was one of the first, but I don't actually know. Yeah, it might be. I can't think of anything before it. Especially because it's the third attempt at explaining how it works. First time he says, you wouldn't get it, it's math. 
And then he says, okay, in layman's terms, it's this. And then Coop says, speak English. And then he goes, okay, piece of paper, punch a hole through, that's how we're doing it. Like, well, They're know. very overconfident. It's like, it's a lot of math. It's like, try us. And then immediately when he starts, he's like, no, we're wrong. <laughs> Sorry, we we thought we knew the math. We don't know the math. Your initial assessment of our intelligence was correct. <laughs> Visual aid this time, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did y'all? So, well, I'll do when they first walk into the bridge uh, on Lewis and Clark, and Lawrence Fishburne's in the chair. I was like, "Did I forget that he was handicapped in this movie? <laughs> he looks like he's, his legs aren't moving. He's just spinning around on a track." Yeah, that's like it's like a, a future spaceship. All captains' chairs like connect to the top. But it was clearly like early CGI. It kept like going like, uh, uh, and underneath it, it's like blurry. <laughs> also, an audible laugh when they couldn't get the CD out of the drive. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like in Holy forty shit. years, if like you're you're burning things onto a CDR, it's like that's how you do your black box. It's like we already passed that. Yeah, yeah, man. Vin Horizon had like a twelve dish changer. It was great. <laughs> Oh shit, this is Bon Jovi's greatest hits. <laughs> Change it. <laughs> so I laughed at the uh, the spikes for some reason. Like, well, the, I don't know why the black hole maker was in like a BDSM chamber. <laughs> Did not get it. Like, why is the setting all of a sudden like Hellraiser? I like the, 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 the walkway. It's like, oh yeah, those rotating blades. This is the only way it would work. It's like, really? How many other things did you try? <laughs> oh yeah, the blade hallway. <laughs> blade hallway. Because it's just it's like... built the Temple of Doom. Yeah. The guy who plays Mouser in The Matrix is like, I feel like I'm in a meat grinder. It's like, you are. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a magnet demagnetizer grinder. And then when the mom died, when she fell into it, I was like, oh, she's going to land on a spike. And <laughs> she didn't. I was like, why the fuck are the spikes there? Seriously. <laughs> not even killing people. It's like Chekhov's wet noodle. <laughs> I've always wondered, speaking of space tropes, why when designing anything that is like made for like maintenance, are they in tiny vents and hallways and narrow passageways, like that weird green labyrinth that Sam Neill, that Weir has to go through? Oh, yeah. Hey, I was going to ask y'all, since I'm not the computer guy, do chips just get more memory when you make them? Bigger. I don't understand why they were computer like it looked like What's little memory cards everywhere. It's one way to do it. You'd have to like find a way to like cool it. I think to make that stable and not burn out your microchips all over the place. Yeah, and it was just like an open place where they would just collect dust and get really hot, <laughs> and people could just like you know paw through. <laughs> Didn't seem like the most elegant design. I guess that's on Sam Neill. <laughs> Design this ship. That whole scene was hilarious to me when they were talking about how, like, you know, uh, I know he saw something, blah, 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 and he was like, it's behind three magnetic fields. It's perfectly safe. And then after that, he was like, something else happened, and he was bitching again, and he said, uh, it could be a failure in the, like, safety circuit. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> he was just fucking asking you about that, you dumbass. And you were like, it's fine. And it's like, uh, you know, they go to this ship where everyone is obviously dead, and then he won't, no one will understand that, like, something may have happened on the ship. It's like, this shit is happening. It's like, nah, you're just, you got space crazy. (laughs) 
But like, like, something <laughs> obviously happened. There is like skin, muscle, and viscera painted all over like the the bridge. <laughs> like there's one wall that is just like decorated with plasma. Do they even and, talk about it? Nope. <laughs> they just walk by it. There is there is a skull that is affixed to one of the walls, and like no one mentions it. At one point, when someone's like doing the the you know the EXO walkthrough. They're like, look to your left. And I thought it was going to be like a, we, we saw that on the camera and she was going to have like a spooky moment with like seeing it for the first time. But no, he was just like, that's the, that's the ship's logs. <laughs> Go, yeah, ship's logs. That's the important thing. That's the important detail to notice in this room. When they just walk by the viscera painted on the walls. It's like, well, you, you know, you're going to make an omelet. you got to break a few eggs. <laughs> We've all seen that space viscera before. So ship's log, controls, uh, orgy remnants, uh... <laughs> If you're not back in five minutes, you're walking home. I heard Lawrence Fishburne say that four times in this movie. I count it every time. You're walking home from space, <laughs> from Neptune. Speaking of spacewalks, how uh, we we get a little hint that Coop is good in his suit out in open space when he says, "Like, what are you trying to break my record?" So he's done spacewalks before, mm. but uh, wow, he's like really good. At he's like fake George Clooney and. Whatever that movie was called, good gravity. Yeah, I uh, don't understand all that science they threw at me in those three seconds. Though, like, okay, okay, this better work. And it was like, psh, psh, purge. <laughs> Whoa! I guess it worked. And he literally goes like, "Here I come, motherfuckers!" <laughs> Woo! And it looks like he's jettisoning straight into the planet. And it's just like, well, Cooper rules Neptune now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought he was just going to shoot himself to a new planet. That's what I thought, too. He, he just didn't know that the sequel to Event Horizon is a movie called King of Neptune. The ending was still like, when he's like monologuing Lawrence Fishburne, when Dr. Weir is, and, uh, and he's like, yeah, everybody's just getting tortured for eternity. And then Lawrence Fishburne's like, oh, I'll just kill myself then. And he's like, no! Like, I never saw that coming. Eternal torture or death. Like, oh, I'll take death. No! Also, like, you know, Sam Neill, when he's like, demon Sam Neill. Demon Neil, He's... If Lawrence Fishburne's like, negotiating with him. It's like, I, you gotta make sure my, my are my guys safe? The you know take me and leave my crew alone. At that point, like everybody is dead, <laughs> right? How much more dead can they get? Like, what bargaining tool are well, you using? <laughs> well, some of them are not dead. That's the thing. Is that I guess they are in the other dimension, still being tortured. Oh, so he was trying to like negotiate the release of them. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it, it was weird. Yeah, I um. I, I did like not to just rag the movie for thirty minutes. Uh, some of the stuff they did with horror and fear was kind of cool. There's the the scene in the tunnel where the light was like slowly flashing, and like every time it came on, you thought you were gonna see yeah. his wife or somebody. Yeah, um, that was cool, and then it never paid off. I thought it was kind of cool that it never really turned. And then some of the shit was just creepy. I mean, the yeah. the first guy you see was creepy in the. Before you see Doctor Weir, even in his mm-hmm. dream, and uh, you know anything that's eyeless is pretty horrifying. <laughs> yeah, I do like the yeah, I like that hallway where it's like the light goes out far away from you and starts the light co- going out towards you, 
So that, that's always pretty effective when, I was, when you can do that. I forget what that zoom is called, but there's a name for it. I, I, thought, I thought you looked that up at some I point. did. I was yeah. gone from my head now. But it zooms in on, on the face and zooms out of the background. Yeah, it's a zoom out and a trolley shot in, right? Yeah. It's, it's a trolley shot, dolly zoom shot Zoom out in. and dolly shot in, yeah. 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 It's, it's a really, really... Not a dolly shot. Tracking shot is the other thing. Yeah. 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 Really effective way to show, like... Jaws. Realization right. yeah. or fear or something. And it was really cool in that, that part. Yeah. I also like some of the, like some of the cinematography was really good. Like like skipping all like the slow mo diving and stuff like that. Sure. But like <laughs> Kelly was like, So I knew that Sam Neill was full bad guy and everyone else should when he whispered, No one's getting off this ship and then just, like creeped into, <laughs> into blackness. <laughs> like he Homer Simpson himself into the head. <laughs> Jesse Blumen's game night style. Should we follow him? I I, uh, I did like the... Uh, I thought it was pretty disturbing, the video that they end up finally unscrambling about like the just like really quick you know, quarter second shots of, you know, really horrifying stuff. Yeah, like, that was cool. You know, limbs go like At being shoved into people's mouths yeah. and stuff, and being torn apart, and you know, some of them like cackling with with glee. You know, that's always creepy to me when you and they kind of do it again. Like that. There, he's trying to barter for the lives of his crew. Yeah, and you get like shots of them being yeah, yeah. tortured in the evil dimension or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, it's basically Hellraiser in space. Yeah, and Sam Neill kind of looks like Pinhead. Or at the like, end. looks at like the end. Those, uh, that was a cool makeup. Yeah, when yeah. he's got the like a thirteen non bleeding. Yeah. yeah, yeah, thirteen ghosts is good. Um, yeah, apparently uh, Paul W S Anderson, not to be con- confused with, with Paul, Paul W or Paul S. <laughs> yeah, um, he hired uh, porn stars and actual amputees for the like the hell orgy that the previous crew died to hmm. um, to film those scenes. Yeah, it's uh, creepy. He was like, I want, I want the sex and the rape to look like legitimate, and I want like the dismemberment to be legitimate, like. <clears throat> and I think that the, that that while a lot of things probably suffer from a rushed edit, I think that lingering too long on those scenes would have taken away how shocking and jarring they were. I liked the the, the little dose of it that we got. Uh, including all, anytime anyone had like a like a flash scare, I liked that it was just like pop in and out. Mm-hmm. It felt like the Fight Club thing of just putting a single frame of pornography in a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it felt it felt spliced in, not for not for the benefit of the audience, but as just like a reminder that like these are the images flashing through their minds as they're you know going through. Yeah, I also found the uh, Ghost Kid, Ghost Son. Pretty, pretty effectively creepy, especially when you they pan in the medical tent and he's got the lesions all over his legs. And yeah, yeah. 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 that was kind of a nice creepy reveal. Yeah, it was cool. But interesting movie. I think I think at least if you don't like it, it's still interesting. It is it yeah. is definitely bold. We haven't said it yet, but generally, how did you guys like it? It uh, you know as a second watch, uh, saw the, the the first time a lot younger, so it's a much bigger impact on me back in the day and it kind of suffered a little bit it's like seeing a movie that scared you when you were a kid if you see it now it's pretty tame it, I kind of had that kind of effect and without the shock of it it's not that strong of a movie outside of that outside of its shock elements I would say yeah I did not actually find it that interesting uh, it was either really easy to follow or really hard to follow like 
depending on what they were trying to do at that time. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably only go like one and a half or two stars on it on, on Letterboxd. It was, uh, and that, that, the things that it did well gets at those one and a half or two stars, which is the, the horror elements were good. It was a better horror movie than it was a sci-fi movie for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I generally agree with both points, even having seen it the first time. Um, I think that it, that it is unintentionally campy. Yeah. Um, and I understand the cult following that it has, uh, which is why I I call it interesting. Yeah, I mean movies like that make a make a living. You know what I mean? Off of yeah. doing that. I mean, it's like the like, Renaissance of uh, the Room. Yeah, kind of the same vibe. It's a half star movie at best, but I would recommend it to anybody just because it's so bizarre, right? And, and that's kind of how this is. Like, yeah, go see it. It's it's. Fun space tropes that you can laugh at. Yeah. And that kind of probably helps displace a little of the horror. Yeah. And the gore and the shocking aspects of it. Yeah. I think it's weirdly influential to certain, like, niche types of movies that, that really, like, recall this kind of, this movie in particular, which, you know, it's just this random 1997 Paul W.S. Anderson movie. But you see it in some movies, you know, may talk about later, you know, kind of get influence it. Yeah, I, I think the, the my closest comparison outside of Hellraiser is probably the movie Cube. Yeah. is mm-hmm. I, I look at it like that, where it's like campy, kind of budget effects making do with what they have, and just kind of trying to excel in a small space. Because, I mean, this... Paul W.S. Anderson, before this movie, he directed the Mortal Kombat movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, didn't, didn't have a lot of experience with Made some money though, didn't it? Mortal Kombat. Yeah, it was commercially successful at least internationally, from what I read. Oh sure. Um, but so he was. I mean, that's why the studio banked on him to make like a a big space movie. He gave him the Resident Evil franchise, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so I was wondering, after that, what are some other maybe not influential space movies, but like what? What interesting things do you want to see for a movie that is set in space? Because obviously they are bound by certain rules, but they get to pick and choose what they want to break. Like the whole singularity, like creating a black hole, harnessing a black hole is something mm-hmm. that has been in science fiction for a while. There's there's so much to play with. I mean, yeah. inf- infinite things to play with in that setting. Uh, I really enjoy... I think the movie was kind of, you know, really good, flawed at times, but... Uh, the first planet they visit in Interstellar mm-hmm. with the uh, the water planet yeah, with the way tsunamis and the that was cool and I love that in space movies like just seeing new planets exotic landscapes and like that was one in particular that jumped out at me because it was nothing like Earth and then they also did the they played with time so well mm-hmm. during that was really cool yeah I feel like a lot of a lot of movies that are trying are bending rules always bend the space rule and never really the time rule which is just as likely to be broken yeah, yeah. and they do the, that they do that cool dilation effect of you know it's not creating time travel it's not you know whatever but it's like functionally aging compared to right. surroundings which is neat and it's just rare now cuz now we have the technology cuz it used to be like We'll take Star Wars, like, he's on this desert planet because we have deserts here to shoot in, and now he's on a forest planet because we have forests we can shoot in. Right. But, uh, like, you're not 
you're not bound to that anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's fun when people are like, this planet looks like this. It's fucking crazy. And I feel like they, even though they don't have to do that, they keep doing it. Like, Avatar just looks like the fucking rainforest. Yeah. You Except know? some of the rocks are floating. Right. Um, talking about things we like in space movies? Uh, kind of. The first question is more like, what law-breaking do you like to see? Or, like, what 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 aspects that are... Like, space, space is a unique... Space, space stations, other planets, have the unique opportunity to present some, uh, like, inherent differences. Sure. In the way that the rules operate. What can you do in space that you can't do in... Like Earth, right? Get let you break rules. I do like uh, in, in space movies. Just there, there's always a fun structure where you, they set up rules and they find a way to break them to kind of uh, solve a problem later on. Right. There, I think they they always have that logic to them of they you got to give the audience something and you know they're going to turn that assumption by the end of the movie. I don't have a great example of that though. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we, we, we often criticize movies for establishing rules and then immediately breaking them. I feel like the one context where I'm okay with it is in something that is so exotic, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not like the 20s and 30s where we're making movies about, like, these, like, wild jungle people. It's like now it's, you know, like, aliens and alien context because most of Earth is discovered at this point. But so, in a, even in a movie like Life, which was, you know pretty terrible um, you know just the the most interesting part of it is that is the creature and just the way that like you know they say you know it's it can evolve at ten times the or a million times the speed and adapt to all the surroundings like mm-hmm. watching that process to me is the coolest part of it even mm-hmm. though the frame around it is a bad movie true yeah I mean I do it's also fun those Breaking rules in space is also different because it's something that's like so regimented in rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like yeah. so many ways, so many things you have to follow and things you're not allowed to do. That when like all hell breaks loose and it's like fuck it, pull the latch or whatever, it's fun and exciting. Right, kind of the uh, in the Martian, the Iron Man moment where he's like, I want to puncture my suit and fly like Iron Man. Right, it's like well, for a movie that's been so grounded in like real like spaceflight and understanding, like. That is terrible. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> he just needed to learn from Coop. Yep. He just needed to pull, pull, purge. Eat a potato, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> well, other than, than specific examples, do you guys have any uh, favorite space movies? Do, do you enjoy the genre, the, the, the juxtaposition of the claustrophobia of being on a spaceship and knowing that your only companions are these six people and the vastness, emptiness of space and the unexplored. So I'm not claustrophobic like I know you kind of are, Chris. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't like it as much as anybody wouldn't like it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Being locked in a small space. But I, I have more fear of like open water or space. Like pretty much any space movie is a horror movie to me. Yeah. <laughs> Because like just being like floating out there forever would be horrifying. Yeah. Especially any any dramatic element in a space movie where the space shuttle has lost control and they're like on their own, just like, doing the jettis- jettisoning out, the just jettisoning out, yeah. yeah, doing there, the EVA. Yeah, there's no. Then the picture makes my like legs tingle. The guy who did the the first guy who did a untethered 
spacewalk. Yeah. And he's like a hundred yards away from the ship, just like mm. in space. I'm like, no, yeah, come back. Trusting your equipment and technology, there is it's, it's kind of you. You are so um, vulnerable. Yeah, especially after like seeing like the lunar lander and stuff like that mm-hmm. at the you know Air and Space Museum in DC. Where it's like, hey, God, it looks like it's. Looks like I could have built it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one of my one of my favorite things in space movies is something that uh, this movie didn't do that great, but I love. You know, if you have a tight claustrophobic environment, I love seeing the camaraderie and humanity of a team before things go haywire. It's always like the it's the you know the perfect tableau of humanity and these relationships, and they're strained, and this person doesn't like that person, and this person is got like gallows humor about stuff. I like setting that stuff up and. If they can make them feel human, I think that goes a long way for me for caring about them when they set these rules, break these rules, and you know put these people in vulnerable positions. Yeah, I think I think any space movie you you start by counting the crew because you know you're gonna you're gonna lose a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So so it's important to care about them, or else it's just I mean it's just throwaway. I, I really enjoyed uh, Sunshine mm-hmm. and the way that like. Yeah. You know, this this is their second expedition out to try and rescue the Icarus, um, and to like discover what happened to its crew. Obviously, a movie that, that gets a lot of inspiration from Event Horizon. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got space madness and the call of the void in it, but you know, it's got a crew of like six people who obviously are very tight. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's, you know, Killian Murphy's character is the weird character in this. And he's the outsider. He's the expert on like the the ship itself, um, but that's that's always fun. That's the it's the gathering your party thing that I yeah really yeah. enjoy. Yeah, mine tend to be comedies. Uh, aside from Star Wars, um, I think Galaxy Quest is an adorably great movie. Yeah, um, it's a real fun mm-hmm. comedy, and I'm a huge fan of The Martian. Yeah, that year it came out. It was my top ten that year for sure. Um, but again, like nobody dies, it's all good. <laughs> and that that crew is real fun. Yeah, and both crews, the crew on the ship, and the, the I loved all the shit with Tutela G Four and um, Chris Wig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sean Bean and uh, what's his name? Don Glover. Yeah, was really good. And his came like I don't call it a cameo yeah. for him at the time, but he had a little soliloquy that was really good. Yeah, that's. That's a great cast. I wonder, like, do you need an ensemble for a good? Is one of the reasons why this is why this why Event Horizon wasn't great is because the cast kind of sucks. Outside of like Fishburne and um, uh, like Sam Neill and the woman I forgot her name Montgomery I think is her last name, um, and and Jason Isaac. Like the rest of them are kind of like bit players, mm-hmm. right? I think that's part of what makes the original Alien work is that team. Good, good and crew. Yeah. You, you care about them, and, uh, you know, obviously after that the franchise is all about Ripley, and she's one of the greatest uh, heroines in all of cinema. Heroes, even, I would say. Yeah. Greatest heroes in all of cinema, really. But it starts with, uh, you know, she's she's in that, in that crew. The crew cares about each other, and you care about the crew. I mean that's 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 like lots of fan favorite parts of the movie Armageddon, is mm-hmm. that it is a fun crew. It is it is a fun movie. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's why Gravity got so much like initial love. 
because it was like kind of breaking that mold. I'm having trouble thinking of space movies that don't have some kind of camaraderie. Like even in Independence Day, they send two people to space right. to stop it. You know, Gravity was the first one, maybe. Where it's just and, like, and if they don't have a crew, that's part of the point of the movie, right? Like, uh, yeah, like in Gravity, the loneliness is part of it, or like uh, like Wally, you know, his loneliness is that that's part of it, and then he starts to develop camaraderie. Like that's a natural inclination. That's definitely in my top five space movies. Yeah. Well, and and, so and bringing it back to, uh, to Armageddon, I mean, it's like Peter Stormare's character in Armageddon. Because mm-hmm. he's the, the crazy Russian who's been alone on the ISS forever. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that's an element. And then in 2001... Yeah, I can't is, believe we haven't talked about that It is yet. entirely about his isolation when, yeah. once they get to that phase of it. Um, yeah, well, I hadn't really thought about that before, but if you don't have a crew... I mean that's kind of the the fulcrum of your conflict for the movie is not having a crew. Yeah, I'm I'm even thinking of one of mine, and it is like a weird blurring of the lines about it is Moon. Mm-hmm. M- Moon is both about his isolation, but also yeah, like, definitely not. Yeah, right. I'm trying to think of other ones. I forgot about Sunshine. I saw that when it came out. I really like it. That Danny Boyle. I love it. I'm yeah. that up. It's a weird movie for him. Mm-hmm. It does pull a lot from Event Horizon, though. Mm-hmm. It's like right before Slumdog Millionaire. That's right. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Those movies, y'all remember the, uh, they were paired. There was like Red Planet and Mission to Mars, I think they were both called. Mm-hmm. They were, they were horrible. <laughs> really bad. Val Kilmer's in one of them. I forget. Gary Sinise is in the other one. Oh, uh, is he the one you, you see his face? I think he, isn't Gary Sinise in Red Planet? I think so. Don Cheadle? Somewhere where Don Cheadle's got the, like, they think he's dead, but he's got a little greenhouse he's built on Mars right. when they get there. Yeah, those movies aren't good. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you guys have... Do you think that if, if tasked, you could rank your top five space movies? Mo- movies that, that occur... Non-Star Wars, right? Non-Star Wars movies. We're taking Star Wars off the table. Um... Just for the purposes of this exercise, Star Trek off the table. I think it could be on the table for us because Star Trek's legacy is more about a TV show than it is about a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, if you wanted to pick Battlestar Galactica Viper, like that's fine. Like that's that's that is a Battlestar movie. I won't take the whole franchise because you know I think that it is lauded and should automatically be in your list of TV shows. Um, and I think that's where where Star Trek should fit. Which is why I always thought the Star Trek vs. Star Wars discussion was always weird. Because Star Trek's a television show primarily. I definitely have Wally in my top five. I'm not sure how high. Guardians of the Galaxy is a really good one. Yep, that'd be in my top five. It does a great job of the thing you're talking about, liking about uh, Interstellar. It does a great job of like different planets, have different rules, have different cultures, are different adventures kind of thing. Yeah. I tell you, keeping with my comedy theme, probably I always forget about this movie because I'm such a fan of the the books. But Hitchhiker's Guide would probably be in my top five. It's really fun. It is so fun. Yeah, yeah it is one of the most the funniest like openings to a movie, like cold openings. I guess it's not cold. I don't really remember. But the the song, the dolphin song. Yeah, I was yeah, laughing. That is the open. So fucking yeah. hard. <clears throat> yeah, on the top five for me, and this is kind of skewing more comedy, but still action. 
and also like just love that space gives you the creative creativity to build worlds like nothing you've seen before. John is Carter from Mars. <laughs> big fan of uh, Fifth Element. Yeah, yeah. Love that the campy spaceness of that and the insane creativity with all the creatures and all the different worlds that it gets to and like the space mythology of you know the center of it. Yeah, that was fun. Really fun movie. And, and Gary Oldman, man. One of his best roles. Just as like a weird Appalachian, you know, <laughs> villain. Right. I've got... Mm, man. My young. Also really fun. Uh, ended up being a TV show later. Very creative. Weird-ass movie. Stargate. Well, I was wondering if that classifies... Doesn't the movie take almost take place almost entirely on Earth? No. So the ancient Egyptian relic that they used to go back in time to find out that that aliens constructed most of the wonders in Egypt doesn't that isn't that most of the movie and then the TV show goes out into space? Oh, shit, I don't I don't even know. It's been so uh, long since I've seen the original. That's that's the conclusion we came to last night when we were kind of workshopping mm. was that was that we all are pretty sure that Stargate is a movie that. That uses space as a, as a primary setting, but we all haven't seen it in a very long time. <laughs> I'd say probably in my top five is probably Aliens, just because it's one of my favorite action movies ever. Mm-hmm. Aliens. Aliens, yeah. I, I prefer Aliens to Alien. Um, I just don't... I haven't seen Alien in a while, but I think some of like the slowness and the... Um, claustrophobic dread and like you know inevitable doom of that movie I don't know that it uh, just personally I prefer the kind of uh, active action of the sequel yeah more. Kind of the bigger ragtime event than yeah it seems there's more at stake in the second one plus it's got one of the best turns where Ripley is able to basically leave safely and she goes actually you know what Fuck aliens! Mm-hmm. And like goes back with the flamethrower and like burns all those eggs. It's like yeah, like it's it's a strong hero turn, right? Yeah. From from survivor to hero that I really appreciate. And it'd be like the first one is kind of like Jaws if all they did was avoid Jaws and then leave, but the end of Aliens is like finally equaling the terms and getting in that mech suit and you know defending. She has this primal maternal. You know, defense that she does. I just really, I like that. Uh, yeah, that whole, the whole stakes of that. Can I throw? Can I throw a wrench in the consideration? Do it. Where would you put the Matrix? What would you call the setting for the Matrix? Virtual reality. You Honestly, the space stuff I think is the weak stuff of the Matrix. You think that's, maybe that's just me? So like thirteenth floor and the Matrix are in some weird corner. Yeah. When I think of the Matrix, I think of all the. You know, the I know Kung Fu, all the cool stuff, the subway scene. You know, we talk about it, the bullet time. I'm never thinking of the Nebuchadnezzar. Are yeah. they in space? I thought they were on Earth. Yeah, I guess it's kind of a, a Earth I thought they were like stripped for... Like in tunnels on Earth. <laughs> they, were, they were underground. That's where the city is. That's a good question. Hmm. I just always assumed it was like, yeah, barren Earth. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I was I was asking that question also to lead up to because we talked about it right before we started record right before we went live uh, where you would put the movie Contact is is you know Jodie Foster at the end of that movie has an extraterrestrial connection 
with a being who has created a small universe for her that would be relatable so it didn't frighten her. Um, I still, and, and it is the, the painting that she made for her father before he died. I still argue that she never left. That was all in her head. Yeah. But. yeah. I think so little of that also takes place in, even if you assume it's space and space that, I don't know. I, I would say it doesn't count. I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I like, I appreciate that, but I would also say a movie like Space Cowboys. Uh, so I was just like, how have I not brought up Space Cowboys yet? <laughs> Is it space, space Cowboys, from my memory, doesn't spend a lot of time in space, but the whole movie is about getting getting there. And like, whatever that Rocketman movie was with Billy Bob Thornton building a spaceship in his barn. The Astronaut Farmer? The Astronaut Farmer. I was, I was space Cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Aliens and Aliens. <laughs> but yeah, like, I... I as, as much as it would pay me, like it's it's all about getting there. Like if if Apollo thirteen were five percent in space and ninety five percent at home, when all about like the problems with the launch, then like the, like the right stuff. I might well, still right count stuff. it in space movie. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. Yeah, I don't think there's a strict definition, but. That's what by I'm talking about. It'd be yeah. funny if you were like, I guess, of, wrong, bitch! <laughs> by the token of what we say that we like about space movies is like rules and rules that are broken and then creative worlds, you don't really get any of that with a preparing to go in space type movie. You do, in that the rules that we are breaking are the ones that we know human beings were able to break. Right. Is that, you know, boldly going where no man has gone before, you know, all of that, like we were just alive for that part. Not saying that that the, that the rule breakers in space fiction are going to eventually be able to do that in, in, in like real human life, but you know that's kind of the that's where I land with movies like The Martian. Like it's it's all pretty grounded in actual science that we understand. Mm-hmm. You know, Apollo thirteen would have been science fiction to someone in the thirties, right? Hmm. I think I could spit my top five. Yeah. Yeah. Wally, The Martian, Guardians of the Galaxy. I would go against y'all two and have 2001 in mind. My kind of psychological horror. I still think the house scene is one of the yeah. coolest things ever shot. I'd have 2001 in there. And, um. Probably, uh. Galaxy Quest. It's one of those movies that I feel like I don't remember finally, and then I watch it once every couple of years, and I'm like, oh, goddamn, this movie's a delight. Yeah. It's just so good. And good performances, too. Tim Allen's I'm really good in it, and, uh... Sigourney Weaver. Tony Shalhoub. I love that Sigourney Weaver's just in it. That's yeah. fun as shit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Tony Shalhoub's good. Uh, Sam Rockwell's hilarious. Hank Azaria's great. And, uh, the late great... Severus Snape. Ellen Riddle Park. Yeah. Is so good as like the Spock. Yeah. But David, do you think you have your five? Sure. I'd probably go in no particular order. No, you have to go in order. That's the point of stack ranking. Oh yeah, good call. <laughs> uh, starting from five, probably go fifth element. Number four. That one's love. What? 
Love. Yeah, fifth element, probably four. The Martian. I just love the the problem solving of that. Love yeah. the Martian. They they make the rules really exciting. Uh, number t- three, probably Guardians. I just really love that movie. Number two, probably go Sunshine. Big nice. fan of that. And uh, number one, I probably go two thousand one. It's kind of the the granddaddy of what I like most about space movies is you know some crazy impact of you know the the rules and breaking the rules and you know the ending is insane. I love the insanity of the ending. Such a good villain, too. Yeah. How such a good villain. Um, very very prescient to have that as a villain, like way before any of us would yeah. or culture would consider something like that. Yeah, and I mean. The bad things about that movie just make it not rewatchable for me. It's not, and they're not bad; they're incredible. But you know what I mean. That make it like boring for a rewatch. Yeah, I would watch it with somebody who'd never seen it before, but I'm never gonna want to sit down and watch 2001 like focused again because I already saw the spaceship travel across outer space for ten minutes in slow motion once. Right, and I mean I get it. I respect it at the time for sure. It's incredible filmmaking, but I just have no reason to see it again. <laughs> yeah, I want to see the hour and a half. Like cut, yeah. <laughs> like, all the important stuff just to jog your memory. Yeah, I want to see the the Star Baby or whatever it's called, Star Child, yeah. Star Child. Yeah. To me, that's probably Star Baby. <laughs> probably the most real, it's deeply felt Star like Star the Baby. psychosis that they try to display in space, like insanity of like your perception can't match what's going on. That I've probably seen in a movie about how they do the effects and the Star Child and the aging and all that that stuff. I think it does a pretty good job of that. Yeah. What about you, Chris? Yeah, we need top five. Hmm. Game master. I wasn't prepared to talk, but number one, I have aliens. <laughs> uh, I may have left that out just out of accident. That's that's why we sprung the topic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Number one, I have aliens. I just love that that everything about that movie. So you're aliens over alien. I'm as aliens well? over alien. Yeah. Nice, fun. Um, I need to see all those. <laughs> Number two, I think I'm going to take Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm. Super fun yeah. movie. I almost forgot about, but I do love the books. It's you know read the whole series, and it was just a great time. Douglas yeah. Adams has a very unique voice um, that Ricky Gervais wishes he had. Um, when they all get slapped in the face, uh, don't know if I've ever laughed that loud at a movie theater. <laughs> I could not stop laughing. Yeah. The timing on it was just perfect. It's it's also one of those movies that, that has just like infected my comic sensibility to the point where like I'll be having a conversation about something like work related and, and I'll just be like, well, it has to be filed in triplicate and buried underground, and I'm just like, <laughs> I forget that it's from that, right? Um, number three, big Sunshine fan. Yeah, uh, yeah re- revisit that. Forgot all about it, it again. Yeah, four Wally, and then I want oh five is Moon. I love that universe. You're a big Moon champion. Yeah, I like Moon. I like Rockwell. Champion I- of the Moon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm gonna wage war against Coop, King of Neptune. You're gonna launch yourself out of a space shuttle and just like yeah. go to the Moon. <laughs> Woo! Moon, motherfucker! <laughs> it's so refreshing that it's hard to pick five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I. C- like, as soon as I said five, I'm like, I really wish The Martian were up in those five. You know. A movie that I've seen dozens yeah. of times now. Yeah. It's such an easy, like, put it on. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. But yeah, so I'm glad I watched Event Horizon. 
Yeah, honestly, before, if you would have just said, like, five space movies, I probably, I might have put Event Horizon in without watching it again. On the opposite token, I do want to go back and the the movies I did put on there, see how uh, how much they stand up to. I figure a lot of them will probably even be better than I'm remembering. Yeah, I, I know that Gravity caught a bunch of shit because of, you know, Gravity and Interstellar both received a lot of backlash because of their plot and storytelling. Mm-hmm. Obviously not for their effects, their world, cl- like, top of their class in effects, but... I'd be really interested. I, I want to give both of those movies another watch. And I, and I, I think I want to slate, when we finished Event Horizon on Amazon Prime, it was like, up next, Stargate. And for a moment I was like, maybe I should watch Stargate right now. Hmm. And I want to, want to watch that again, because I think the last time I saw it, I was like 13. Nice. Um, it's one of those things like, I have no zero about. I know it exists, and that is all I know. I know that it's got like jackal-headed alien humanoids. And, like, laser staffs. Sweet. Yeah. On the gravity tip, I, you know, just thinking about it, I thought I would have had it in my top five, but it's just, it feels like such a finite, like, I saw it in the movie theater, it was one of my favorite movies of that year, in 3D, and I just don't think I, I don't think I'm ever going to go back. It just seems like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's not much more to it, but it was a really fun ride for those two plus hours. On a rewatch, that's kind of it. Sorry, on a rewatch of Gravity, I will say there is nothing like seeing it for the first time in the theater. Okay. I was blown away in the like. I think I wasn't yeah. in three D, but it was IMAX, mm. and that first scene when shit hits the fan, yeah. it's just like I need to leave the room. Like this shit is hurting my chest. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> Lady agrees. Yeah, snooze fast. <laughs> okay, well that's that's that's. Kind of the, the gist of what I wanted to talk to you guys about. This is a good talk. I think it's I think it's fun to subcategorize sci-fi movies yeah. into ones that that take a single aspect of reality and bend it, as opposed to making it completely fictional and we, very we, little science. We do all four of us enjoy like micro genres, mm-hmm. and I love discussing those whenever. Yeah, and anytime yeah. we can talk about a movie and a topic, and it makes me want to watch a bunch of movies right afterwards, I think we did our job. <laughs> <laughs> but as for next week, I think TJ is going to assign some homework. Yeah, I'm going to assign a movie that I I want to say y'all have all seen. I know Brent's seen it, but I've never seen it. And if y'all have, y'all all liked it a lot. It's streaming on Netflix, and it's a Cinema Paradisimo. Paradisimo. Paradiso. Paradiso. Um. Yeah, it looks like a heartwarming good time. I hope I'm right. We'll see. It's a blind spot for me. It's like one of the most um, like lauded foreign language movies back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, in the I think is it a '90s movie or '80s? Movie? '80s '80s movie. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it either. I know that there is oh, a sweet. there's a remake on the books. Yeah, I really want to get this one out of the way before that. And it's just I don't know. It looks. I haven't seen it or Hugo, which. Hugo is often compared to, I believe. Um, so, start with the first. Yep, it's a movie about loving movies with people who love movies. So, yeah, we know Should nothing about. <laughs> that. And we'll talk about something. We'll figure it out. Yep. Cool. Well, this has been Talkie Talk podcast from MediaBias.com. You can find us on Facebook in our pages, the Media Bias. You can also. Get us on our subjects at Games Bias, TV Bias, Movies Bias. You can 
rate us on iTunes or your pod snatching app. We would really appreciate that. A one or five star rating would be uh, much appreciated because if you don't know us and you listen, you're our favorite people. Uh, especially Brent's favorite person. He called in to tell us to say that. Yep. Um, <clears throat> you can send us an email at gmail at themediabias.com. Nope, that's not how email addresses work. It's <laughs> themediabias <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at themediabias. You can find our Tumblr. We don't have a Tumblr. You can't find us there. <laughs> we always did the third one. The third one that's not real. Um, our Pinterest board. <laughs> yeah. You can... You can Find us on Yik Yak. Uh, I don't even think that's a thing anymore. Uh, but yeah. And then we want to give a special thanks to the intro music from the Little Walkers. Little Walkers. Boo! And the outro music, Boo Refund. Boo Refund! <laughs> <laughs> but thanks everyone for joining us. Thanks TJ. Thanks David. Bye! See you later. Kicking rocks. Down old dusty roads Small town slowpokes Long time ago Kicking out records of all the things that I know